Hey, what up, Long Beach? Welcome back to the only podcast in this city that covers our schools, their sports teams, and the community at large. As always, this show is part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post. And as always, we are the562.org. I'm JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Cardabascio. And as JJ just mentioned, we're covering so much more than just sports at the 562. We're also covering education for lbpost.com. We have a story of right now about the changing school times for the fall. New California Senate bill requirements are going to have high school starting closer to nine o'clock, which will be shifting all kinds of schedules across the city. And I'm Tyler Hendrickson wondering what took you so long? <laughs> Not a morning person. So that would have been nice. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? You know what, guys? I, I was just thinking we really don't need a 68 team bracket to tell us that Long Beach is the best city in the world, right? We just know that going in overall number one seed Long Beach, California. And what makes this community so special is the support that we give to one another and how Long Beach puts on for Long Beach. And so we just wanted to up top thank all of our sponsors. And it is an ever growing list of people supporting the work that we do at our nonprofit media outlet. Um, we've got a full, we've got a growing list on our website of all the sport and school sponsors. Uh, we've been putting out a ton of announcements uh, for all of our sponsors. Of course, Naples Rib Company sponsors everything that we do at the 562 Ocean Law Center. Uh, Maryland Bowl has been such a, a long, um, trusted contributor to everything that we do. But, you know, Mike, there's been a lot of announcements coming out for, for new types of sponsorships, not just for sports, but also school coverage. And it's really great to see, you know, some, some, athletes that we covered kind of getting back involved in the website. Yeah, we have a couple more announcements coming out soon, including that John Ross, who we covered at Jordan, is sponsoring our Jordan coverage. Uh, we really love that. Um, you know, John and Joel Batonio at Wilson have come back to sponsor coverage of their alma maters. That's really special to me personally, because it just lets you know that, you know, how much that meant to, to those guys and to other kids on their team. But um, definitely check that list out. Stay tuned to the 562, because those announcements have been coming uh, very quick. But let's talk about this greatest cities in the world thing. I personally think Long Beach wins the tournament for sure, but I don't feel like we'd be a one seed. Would the one seeds be like New York, London, Paris, yeah. Tokyo or something? I feel, that like seems fair. A, yeah. I feel like we'd be a sneaky four or five seed that ran the table. No, we're the 12-5, guys. Hearts, we're the 12-5. We're <laughs> everybody sees us coming, and they're like, I don't know, these 12-5s, they're always interesting. Then you win that first game, and you're like, oh, that's nice. That's cute. Way to get an upset, 12, and then the 12 you just You got us at 12? Do you think other people think about Long Beach the way we do? No, it is a hidden gem. We are a diamond in the rough. I have a lot of friends trying to buy houses here right now. And I'll tell you what, it would be easier to get property in Brooklyn than in Long Beach right now. <laughs> a lot of friends that you want to buy houses who know about Long Beach. I, I have traveled the world, guys. Not that many people know it. But when you explain it, they're like, oh, man, that sounds like an incredible place. That feels like a 12 seed to me. Yeah, I'm I, the world. I've got to set a five at the lowest. Well, yeah, but I, I, you're a little biased, and we got to consider who the yeah, yeah. you don't get you don't you know get to I mean? seed the teams and then be in the tournament, Mike. Right, <laughs> that's not how it works. And literally, where as he wears a Long Beach hat, literally as he is telling us, like, well, how how are you going to have us uh, below a five? It's like, let's be fair. Well, it's, JJ, a hey, lot of people would say Long Beach. You had us as a one seed. <laughs> Uh, I meant that like metaphorically, like in oh, our hearts. Yeah, like right, if you're right, actually okay. putting this on, Number like one in our no, heart. I mean, yeah, symbolic one seed. But I mean, people might say we're not even the strongest in our own conference. We're in LA County, and people think that we're like a neighborhood of LA. People, you know what I mean? So, so we got some work to do. But we got some shooters, and we got we got a chance. 
We got a chance. Make our, we make our free throws in the clutch, most important. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually kind of a yearly thing. Obviously, we can't say yearly anymore after what's happened recently, but there's a yearly tradition where as soon as I'm at a baseball or softball game checking my bracket, that's when I know it's officially spring. Because at that point, our high school basketball teams have finished. The Obviously, uh, the college teams are either in it or done, which hasn't been uh, very recent, so it's usually done. And then you're just out there, this beautiful city at Blair, a bull diamond at Blair Field. You're on the campus fields. You're at Joe Raji. And, uh, and you're just checking your bracket, watching sports. That, that's the time when spring has sprung. And spring has sprung at the 562.org right now, where you can find previews for most of the spring sports. We're putting the rest of them up very soon as they get into their seasons. The top two, obviously, every year is baseball and softball. And, guys, we look like we have some very, very competitive league races shaping up in baseball and softball here in the Moore League. We may not have an elite team, but we got a lot of teams who could win on every and on any given day. It's the classic. We talk about it on this podcast regularly. Either you have a team that's number one in CIF and they kind of run through league, or you have a bunch of teams that are good, that you get a great league competition. And I think that's what's shaping up in both baseball and softball. Not a lot of highly ranked teams. I think we all feel like there's a couple of softball teams and definitely that Wilson baseball team in D4 that could make playoff runs. But um, what can you say about the way these two seasons have started? Like every game's been electric so far. We're consistently having to cover two games a day, whereas in previous years, sometimes you get one good game a day, maybe. Um, and these games have all been great. I mean, Milliken with a thrilling comeback in baseball late in the game against Lakewood to beat their rival. Wilson walks off Polly on their home field, uh, which I know for Wilson after last year, that was a game that they had circled uh, on the calendar as soon as the schedule came out. And then softball has been just ex exciting. And we're getting ready. Uh, JJ and I are going to be over at Lisa Fernandez field tonight to see more historic rivalry uh, between uh, Milliken and Lakewood where the tables have kind of turned and Milliken's now sort of the, the favorite, which is, I don't for us over the last 15 years, Jay, there's not a lot of sports where a team had been as dominant as a Lakewood softball team where someone's able to consistently unseat them, but it kind of feels like that's what Milliken's doing right now. Well, it, it does feel like it's there, there, there's sort of a changing of the, of the guard potentially, you know, not necessarily, you know, making any long-term projections, but, the more league really means something in the diamond sports, I think, because it, any given year it's very up in the air, right? So it's any of four schools and there's not a lot of sports where consistently you're seeing three or four yeah. schools kind of always battling it out. It's usually like, we know what the top rivalry is, but I mean, poly softball at, you know, turned some heads last year uh, when they beat Lakewood and they're really like on the come up with, with some young and exciting talent. They're not even at full strength and they're in the more league title picture. Uh, they played pretty close with Milliken obviously got the shutout of, of Lakewood led by Bella Alonzo and JJ was there for that one. Um, you know, it, it looks like Milliken's in good position in both and probably gets the slight edge to be favorites, but they still have a lot to prove. And, and when you think about Milliken baseball, I covered their win over Lakewood yesterday and I was talking to Miles Patton and, you know, they've got Milliken's kind of got the juice, right? Literally and figuratively since they won that CIF championship last year, but they did not win the Moore league last year. And so it means something to them to win the Moore league. And, and have those bragging rights in their hometown, especially since those kind of grew up together. So I think there's a real meaning for the Moore League title, and uh, it's going to be fun to kind of see that play out over the next few weeks. I'm really excited about it. Firstly, we've said this before, so longtime listeners of the pod will be like, yeah, 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 we get it. The Moore League is better, but Milliken is good. It's just the way that it is, 
And right now you can see that perfect example in baseball and softball. Milliken's good. Therefore, the more league is good. It's happened in other sports, and we're so excited for it when it does happen because it just adds that community feel because Milliken is such a community school. And that competitiveness within the community is what makes more league sports so great. Obviously, the talent is incredible and the history is unrivaled, but these community connections, these childhood connections, people you grew up with that you're getting to play in high school. Perfect example of that, Polly's Ryan Shonsby and Wilson's Charlie Royal are neighbors. They live like three houses down from each other, lived on the same street their whole lives, right? They grew up playing ball together, not just baseball, but other sports as well. You know what I mean? The freeze tag games in the middle of the street, the block parties, stuff like that. They've been there through it all. And now they're playing each other in high school games. You don't get to see these more league teams very often. You get to play each other twice, but you're not playing in the tournaments. You're not really getting after it in fall ball, right? These are, these are one-offs. These are, these are very special moments. And when you're doing that, something so historic at schools like Polly and Wilson, so historic. And then you also have the emotion of playing somebody, you know, it's bragging rights. It's, it's all, it's all that stuff, right? So you have those emotions and you have to, you have to deal with them. Well, then something happens (laughs) that rocks you and you have to then really find out who you are. Right? So they are doing, it was just a pitcher's duel in that game. Wilson hosting Polly on Wednesday, a great afternoon game at Skip Rowland field. Shonsby and Royal are just dealing. First five innings, only five guys reached base while they combined for 11 strikeouts. Uh, Royal struck out the side in the fifth. He struck out the side in the seventh. It was just, it was just mowing them down, right? But Shonsby comes up in the sixth inning, first pitch fastball from Royal. He had already gotten him twice. So he was like, ooh, I'm going to get him again. I'm going to really show him who's boss. And he just pissed on it, you guys. It was an absolute shot. And if you know that fence in right field at Skip Rowland Field that basically stops the baseball field and begins 7th Street, I'm pretty sure Ryan Shonsby hit it over 7th Street, if not onto 7th Street. An absolute bomb, right? The celebration at the plate was just... It looked like they your, had won your, the your game. Your video is incredible. Your video it, of, the, of, it, of it is incredible. It looked like they had won the game. Like, it was a walk-off. That's, a, that's how they celebrated it. And then... Uh, Royal proceeds to strike out the next five guys. It would have been so easy for him to get thrown off by the fact, oh man, Shonsby just hit an absolute yakum, and I'm going to have to hear about it for the rest of my life. I'm not going to be able to go home. You know what I mean? This guy, this guy knows my parents. I'm not going to be able to avoid this forever. And then he strikes out five. Wilson comes back and wins it in walk-off fashion. So both of these guys with so much history together just add to the history of not only the rivalries of their high school baseball teams, but the rivalry of their friendship and their competitiveness and the fact that they make each other better. And that, that stuff, it's not like baseball specific. It's not Long Beach specific. It's not more league specific, but it seems to be so much. It's ratcheted up. It's turned to 11 around these parts. Well, and it's funny. I was just thinking, as you said that JJ, because I was there for the, uh, the Wilson, um, in the alumni game when Aaron Hicks came back and Charlie Royal uh, pitched around him very selectively. I think Shonsby hit the ball where Hicks, where uh, <laughs> Royal was afraid Aaron was going to hit it. <laughs> so he was trying to avoid that kind of home run, but then obviously his old buddy got him. But then after the game, what a tough situation, right? Because Shonsby's like, I mean, I took you deep. I got you pretty good. But then, you know, Royal's like, but we won. So, what are you going to say about it? So a real like 
we'll see each other in a couple weeks type situation where they both feel like they kind of got the upper hand. Um, but yeah, really just love those little mini storylines within, you know, within the, the grander picture that's going to include all these different teams. And, you know, I said, this, well, I talked to Miles Patton after the game yesterday at Lakewood and he told me, he's like, it's the best feeling in the world. There's nothing better than ripping a double against Lakewood, you know, and you just, you love that, you know, just a little back and forth, little jawing. It's all in good fun, but it means something. And so if it means something to the players, it means something to us. And that's why we're always there. I think I'm I, definitely your guys' videos from yesterday has me even more excited for the, the second round matchups between these two teams um, because of exactly, you know, the interpersonal rivalries uh, that you guys are talking about. It's just very exciting that uh, they don't get to play as much, you know, like JJ said, they don't play uh, a lot in the off season, but the fact that, you know, you get one game where it's usually crazy and then you know that those teams are going to see each other again in like four weeks is that's the best. That's the best part of spring to me. Uh, as opposed to, you know, football, whatever it's, I, I just love it. It's like, we've been inside for so long. The weather's nice. It's 80 degrees today. You get back outside and get to see these kids get after it. It's awesome. So April 8th, April 8th, the rematches of those two games at Bull Diamond at Blair Field. It'll be a doubleheader, so you can catch them both. But it's not the first doubleheader on the calendar. We've got one coming up next week. It's going to be, uh, I believe, Milliken and Wilson and Lakewood and Polly. That's the uh, 23rd of March. Apple Diamond of Blair Field, so you can come out there and catch two games. We will be uh, hole up in the uh, in the press box, moving around, trying to get some good video uh, from in and around that beautiful facility that will host its first big more league doubleheader that night. Now, now keeping in the theme of March Madness and brackets and stuff, if you were to take those four teams and make a a, a mini bracket, right? Who's getting the Who's getting the one seed? You know what I mean? Who's taking, who's the one, four matchup and who's the two, three matchup in your brain right now, not based on what has happened, but based on what we think is going to happen. Man, that's a tough one. I I would put Milliken at the one um, just off instinct, just because of that playoff run and and because of um, the guys they have coming back. Um, Yeah. And I might, do we all agree with Milliken at one? I would agree with that. I think, I think that's fair. I, I think they've got the most complete lineup. Because I think you, at that point, that's what you're Great. comparing because there's other guys who, who also have aces. But, yeah, I think they have the most complete lineup. Well, and just to make an additional comment there, they've got great pitching, um, a lot of experienced bats. I think Sam DiCarlo, no question to me, most improved player in the league this year, went from being a good hitter um, last year to being a guy who just – it's like everyone's got to get their camera phones out every time he's up at the plate. But then um, in Tyler's video, I love seeing Ryan Geck who just of all the guys to come to the plate when you're trying to hang on to a lead, <laughs> he just right. comes and just absolutely, I mean, he's hitting the ball to the fence at Lakewood high school, which is a long way away. To uh, the opposite field too. Yeah. Yeah. And then coming home and stomping on that home plate, you know, I mean, he, he, that was a big stomp, you know, you could almost feel the, the ground shaking on that. So I, I, I think <laughs> he felt it. He felt it <laughs> for sure. Uh, I think we could put it, we could put some consensus around Milliken at one. And then I'm curious as to how two, three, four go for the, for the three of us. Well, yeah, because it, what, yeah. you're, I think we're using the right uh, metric, the most complete team who has the best of each thing. And then you kind of add them up. That's how I pick my teams in the, in March madness, right. You don't just pick the guys with good guards. You pick the guys with good guards and depth who can shoot free throws and all that stuff. So uh, yeah, most complete. I would actually, to be honest with you, I would float Lakewood at the two seed uh, because of electric arms 
Um, they're, they're also very motivated this year. You know, last year did not go the way they wanted it to. Um, and, and yeah, I, I just think they have more experienced bats. I think they have more experience in the lineup if you're comparing them to Wilson and Pauly. Because at that point, that's who you're comparing to. Yeah, and I think I, they do have that experience. I think Wilson probably has the best pitching depth. And so I think with that, that might give them the slight edge. But I know they were the, you know, they ended up being the fourth place team last year, even though they were very close to winning a championship as well, which shows how crazy last year was. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Wilson should be in that two spot. And then it's between Lakewood and Polly. Um, you know, it's it's easy to say, you know, to put Polly as the four seed because there's so many new faces and because their top pitcher is a guy who wasn't even really pitching that much last season. You look at the other three and they have very clearly defined aces who are like big West scholarship pitchers, you know, and we look at Shonsby as like, this guy is definitely a college baseball player, but not as a starting pitcher. So um, that that's obviously such an important position, like a quarterback in football. So, I mean, if, if I really had to choose, I would probably go Milliken, Wilson, Lakewood and Polly, but I mean, it, it's the margins are very, very thin and, uh, you know, under, overlook the Jackrabbits at your own peril. They're the two-time defending champions for a reason. And I think there's something, too, when you bring up Ryan Shonsby, the only thing – I mean, if you're lining them up on paper, I'd put Polly – I'd go JJ's order. I'd go Milliken, uh, Lakewood, Wilson, Polly. But I think the thing that's – that this is what's great about more league baseball. We know, especially when they get over to Blair, those games are razor-thin margins. And mm-hmm. Shonsby is one of those dudes who puts you in that – um, and I'm not saying he's as good as him, but he puts you in that category like where Chase DeYoung had Wilson, where you're like, this dude might do something nuts every time out there and just will his team to a win, which it, which it looked like he was going to do a Wilson yesterday, mm-hmm. <laughs> pitching as well as he did and then, uh, and then hitting the home run. So um, we have seen all of these different kinds of storylines because these, th- that race is always so close that we've seen it play out 14 different ways in 14 years, you know? Yeah, is that the bum garner? Is if you if you like throw a shutout and hit a solo home run and win one nothing or something like it's got to be like it's a <laughs> some sort of nickname. You can it. shout yeah. out bum gardener if you want to. That's a young to me. <laughs> what do you guys like more, covering a game at Bull Diamond at Blair Field or covering a game on the campuses? Not because of like Not comparable. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That that's what I was just gonna say. Not yeah. because one is like a historic baseball field that we love and we have so many memories at, but like the experience of covering the game as a journalist. Which one? Which one do you guys uh, enjoy more? I don't think these games should be played on campus fields. I, I just, the, but most of the fields aren't good enough, um, quite frankly, um, and. Uh, these are teams that are good enough to play with a real outfield fence um, and play with, you know, I, I, yeah. So I, to me, I, I just, I think every effort should be made. I think the league should be more creative around scheduling to make sure that all of those games can get played at Blair personally. Um, because I just think the league and its history deserves a field of that caliber. And because they've had it so consistently for so long, the campus fields just aren't even set up. Um, to accommodate high-level baseball field to where it's just goofy, man. Like you have these kids who some of these games have three, four Division One college baseball players playing in them, and there's a 700-foot outfield chain link fence. <laughs> you know, like I think as we've gone around in the playoffs and seen what other baseball fields in other cities look like, we don't have those, uh, you know, on our campus fields. JJ's talked a lot about how much that changes things in the playoffs for us, where typically they can't play at Blair, um, and all of a sudden you're getting these power teams in 
hitting against contacts, you know, hitting more league teams that are used to playing at Blair, just trying to string together two or three singles in an inning. And these guys come out and they go, oh, if I just hit the ball as hard as I can, it's going to roll for an hour and a half, you know? <laughs> so uh, to me, it's just, it's, it, I'm kind of a Blair or nothing guy personally. I love the charm of the campus fields. I've enjoyed being at more softball this year because I like that being on campus. But to me, the baseball teams don't belong on those fields. Yeah, I think that's generally true. I think it's, there's a certain mystique and it's just, you've never seen a bad baseball game at Bull Diamond because it's just a beautiful place to watch baseball. Um, the only exception I would throw in there I love an early round playoff game at Lakewood. There's nothing quite like the atmosphere at Spud O'Neill Field when you've got everyone lining the fence, you know, sitting on the sidewalk outside. The bleachers are all packed in. They're making a bunch of noise. I do like that. <laughs> I have positive memories of that. But as far as, you know, you, you want true hops when, when the games are so close and, the, and, you know, the margins can go either way. So I, I do think playing it at, at Blair is always better. Um, and, but it is harder to cover it now with the net. I would say that it's harder to get as right much about video that. as we would like. So, but yeah, right generally speaking, it's anytime you can play at that ballpark, you should do it. I, I'm going to stick with the atmosphere that you guys mentioned. And I, I think that for me, that means more in those, in those moments, right? Like in those moments late in the game yesterday between Wilson and Polly, it felt bigger because the space was smaller. It felt more intense because the fans were literally up against the fence mm -hmm. screaming at the umpire about the strike zone or, or whatever. Like the longer the game went, the more people showed up because they heard it, you know, what was going on or whatever. So eventually down the first baseline on that fencing uh, around Skip Rowland Field, that there's people there just up against the fence, right? That, that to me is the baseball I grew up with. The baseball that maybe you're not playing on the best field and, you know, maybe there isn't a fence uh, in left or whatever. And you play the park. You know what I mean? Like they say in golf, you play the course. You don't play golf. You play the course. And, and I just really love that atmosphere and that um, I, I, it's not it's not the same. But sometimes I think of it like the way some people think of Cameron Indoor Stadium. Should Duke build a new stadium just like UNC's? Yeah, probably. They'd make more money. It would be a big deal, blah, blah, blah. But the fact that they keep playing in that freaking cracker box means something, right? Uh, it's yeah, different the, 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 and it's original and it looks cool and it feels right. cool when you're in it. And the games that are played there and are intense feel and look more intense because of those factors. The, di the difference is that Blair Field is the Cameron Indoor of Long Beach. And the, to me, this is more like playing in the gold mine versus the pyramid. You know, I've never <laughs> seen a game that I didn't love in the gold mine. Love, love, um, love the gold mine. But obviously the diamond sports are not the only spring sports. Uh, and we've had <laughs> a previews rolling out for all of our other spring sports. What are some of the other, you know, seasons, teams, events that you guys are looking forward to? I know tomorrow is a massive swim meet. Polly and Wilson kind of renewing that rivalry. And, you know, it's, it's going to come down to league finals and more league swim. But Polly and Wilson, the, the waters are it's just choppy waters this year. I'm excited. Very excited for the boys' side of that dual meet tomorrow. I think is going to be very close between Wilson and Polly. I think, uh, obviously, league finals is a different calculus and a different math in terms of who's going to prevail there. But that's a, always one of the best sports atmospheres in the city when Wilson and Polly have their dual meet. Um, and I, I, it's, it's sort of it, – it's, it, it's an interesting split between the two stories because the Polly girls are now the team that has won multiple league championships in a row – Whereas the Wilson boys swim team is literally the most dominant streak in California high school sports. 
Um, so definitely like a tale of the two different sports there on the boys and the girls side. Um, but that's always one to look forward to for sure. Uh, track, obviously one to look forward to. We have two of the top teams in division one with the Polly and Wilson boys and girls. Uh, I'm doing interviews for our preview of that sport, which will be up soon. Um, really a ton of exciting top 10 CIF, top 10 state level athletes. Um, so really excited to, to check that out. They've got the Polly Wilson dual meet on Monday next week. Wilson hosting the Cali relays Friday, Saturday, this weekend. Uh, and then both Polly and Wilson going to Texas for the Texas relays next weekend. So very busy week and a half for the two top spring teams uh, in the city. And I know we, we've talked a lot about, about the local scene. I, there was one thing I wanted to bring up before we get out of here. Um, just more of a national story that kind of caught my attention. Um, the Naomi Osaka back in the news had a fan heckling her. And that's kind of brought up a, a conversation around heckling and fan involvement with players. We've seen, you know, Russell Westbrook and, and his family have put up with some some terrible stuff this season from fans. Um, <laughs> can't really call them Lakers fans because the, the type of stuff that you're doing to one of the Lakers players, you're not a fan of the team. Clearly, you're kind of a sociopath. Um, <laughs> and and, and it, it's just uh, – there's another uh, tweet that I, I saw from Preston Wilson, a former Major League Baseball player, that said – I'll quote him here. Heckling about your talent or play is not the same as heckling about your race. Nadal has not and will not ever experience that. Therefore, his voice is invalid. I've experienced both. I can play better. I cannot not be black. And that was in relation to um, Rafael Nadal, a great tennis player, saying that Osaka, you know, kind of ne needs to be ready for hecklers. Um, and I just, my, the first question I had was why? Why do we have to accept that people are going to berate athletes for, for no real apparent reason um, at these games and it's gotten really ugly in the NBA. I mean, there's been some really bad stuff at people's families. Um, it's terrible in Europe with, you know, soccer players. Um, they, they've been trying for years to end racism. And it's, it's not always race related, but too often it is, you know, there's been baseball players that, you know, in, in talk about having experiences in Boston. Uh, Adam Jones has talked about that a lot. Um, Marcus Stroman's talked about that a lot. Um, and it's really, um, it makes it hard to go to games. You know what I mean? It's like, it's really, it's tough as a fan or as a journalist being at games and hearing some of the stuff. Um, and, and I just think I'm interested to kind of get your guys' thoughts on, on the issue at large. I mean, I just feel like we have to do better collectively. And I don't know where fans along the line got this idea that they're entitled to just say whatever they want to other human beings. Well, I'll tell you, we're headed for a really bad uh, crash across all the youth sports levels. You're bringing up Naomi Osaka. I think that, you know, she and Russell Westbrook, those are good uh, sort of moral arguments to make about people treating other people better. But this is a really tangible issue at the high school level. We've talked about the uh, youth sports officiating crisis a number of times on this podcast. This is a major component on it based on all of the interviews that JJ and Tyler have done on this subject. Um, and I'll tell you, at the youth baseball league that my son uh, plays in, there's signs everywhere about being respectful. Um, but I also, as someone who's covered a higher level of sports, I take that very seriously to police that within the, the parents on the teams that my kids play on. It's like that umpire is basically volunteering to be out here to let our kids play baseball. Like this dude is not, he's not getting health insurance out of this. He's not making mm -hmm. a Russell Westbrook or a Naomi Osaka uh, salary out of it. I'm not suggesting that their salaries entitle people to, to treat them abusively, but this is really a fundamental existential question for youth sports because they're not going to have high school. If you think 
games are poorly officiated with the officials that are out there. What are you going to do when the look at the average age of the high school or youth sports officials at your kids' games? You see younger generation that's coming up. When I was in college, kids our age, kids who are in college or in their 30s, were officiating stuff to make extra money on the side. Now you have inflation and the pay for these things is not caught up with that. So if you don't live near the field, you're at the gas almost doesn't even make sense to go right. and, and umpire them or whatever. So I, you know, I take it really seriously. I always go thank the umpires after any game that my kids compete in, thank the refs. Like it's an important thing. Even if they screw the calls up, what people don't understand is this stuff does not matter, man. It's great. It matters a lot in some ways, but it doesn't matter enough to where you should be yelling at someone and kind of forcing them out of participating in it. And whether you like it or not, we need high school basketball officials just as much as we need coaches and players. You can't play the games without them. So I do think it's a really big issue. I think for me personally, anytime we have a big societal issue, I just try and think about my little world. What can I do? And that's what I try and do is the referees that my kids are participating in games. I try and show appreciation and to make sure that they're not getting a uh, And we have, look, I'm not going to name anyone, but uh, we you had someone come out on the field to talk to an umpire uh, during a game that I saw at the field, they disagreed with the calls. These are eight and nine year olds and, you know, not on our team, but it's, just, it, you see stuff like that. And it really just like blows your mind. Like, are you serious? It's something to just make a joke, a joke about with the other coaches after the game. It's, <laughs> it's just, it's, not I promise serious, you it's you know? never that serious. It right. can't be that serious, you know, and it's gotta be about the athletes and their experience. And just because they make a bunch of money, does not mean you can say whatever you want to them if for as when it comes to the professional level. Um, and, you know, I, you would never talk to someone that way face to face out in traffic. So why would you do it at a sporting event? You know, and people's, you know, seem to think, well, you know, I paid for my seat. I have a right to say what I want to say. But I mean, I just I just fundamentally disagree with that because you can't just interfere with other people's enjoyment of the game. If I go to a, a play and someone that bought the tickets in front of me decides they want to stand the whole time and I can't <laughs> right. see, that's a problem. You don't have a right to just do whatever you want when you're at a, you know, at a sporting event, you know, and I, I just don't understand the need to just be so negative and act like, you know, these people just have to take it because they make millions of dollars. They work so hard their entire lives. We cover athletes that have, you know, are going to be professionals. You know what I mean? We know a bunch of them. We know there's kids in high school right now that we're covering that will be professional athletes and people will say horrible things to them. And why, what did they ever do to that person? Nothing. They're doing their job. They're entertaining. And it's really, I, I mean, I think it's disgusting. Like I hate it so much when they get these like personal attacks and I'm, I've been a lifelong sports fan. I'll get into the good natured ribbing. You can make jokes, but when it gets personal, you know, and it's just incessant, it's never creative. No one thinks you're funny. I promise you, no one thinks you're funny. And I, I just think it has to be better. And, and beyond just the heckling of pros, like you said, Mike, at the lower level, at the high school stuff, just you got to tone it down. It's just, it's not healthy. It doesn't create a better atmosphere. You can cheer for your team. You can be loud. You can set the tone. You can applaud when somebody makes a mistake. But, you know, once it gets personal, it really takes me out of it. And it's a real bummer. What do you it's think, not, JJ? But it's not new. Oh, no, it's not, it's not. But I feel like it absolutely has gotten worse over the course of my life, for sure. But, but OK, so over the course of your life, but like compared to the uh, Boston fans who were spitting in Jerry West's face when he was leaving the court, it has yeah. gotten better, right? 
No, I think that, I, I personally I, think I don't the, think so. Not I think with social the, media. I, I think I would say at the youth levels, it's gotten worse. Jade, wouldn't you say the officials you guys talk to about the officiating crisis, like that's something they've consistently said is like you didn't used to have to worry about this kind of stuff with seven-year-olds playing baseball, you know, or that certainly like I know the high school officials have talked about that, especially with football. That it's like we've seen games where referees have to be escorted to their cars, stuff like that, you know. It, I don't know because we, we didn't watch high school football in the 70s or 80s, but at least the officials who've been around for a long time have certainly seemed to suggest to us that like at the lower levels, it's gotten worse. You're right, because like pro sports in the past, it was like, you know, I mean, basketball especially was basically professional wrestling <laughs> for, the, for the first three or four decades of the NBA. Um, so I feel like on some levels it's gotten better. But to Tyler's point, the social media has definitely made the access worse. I didn't appreciate the way the Timberwolves were talking to Russell Westbrook last night. But then a couple people, you know, there's screenshots of it going around, go on Carl Anthony Towns' Twitter to make comments about his mom passing away from COVID in quote unquote defense of Russell. That stuff is like that, that access didn't used to exist in a way like that. Um, prior That's not to heckling. I think it's part of it, though. I think it's part of the yeah. like you're a product and I'm yeah. a consumer relationship that people have developed with sports that I, yeah. I do think. I it seems more like stalking to me. I agree with you. Sense of entitlement. It's not the same thing. I think it branches off of that same like entitlement problem that people just think like there's just a removal of consequence in a lot of ways because Jerry West could also punch a fan at Boston without it ruining his career in the seventies, <laughs> right? right? Which like obviously we know that that can't happen now. So I, I don't and know. He probably I, probably should have, but you know, I no, I think there need to be greater consequences. You know what I mean? I think whether it's school administrators or whoever, I mean, it's, I know it's a very tough problem and they've got so much on their plate, but you know, the, these fans that say some of this horrible stuff, I mean, they, I, they should be banned. They, they don't need to be coming back to these games. Um, I think, you know, fans that send death threats and things like that, or, you know, if anybody makes a mistake in a big game, that's the thing where I'm watching a big football, if I'm watching the Super Bowl, a big basketball game and somebody messes up, I don't want the first thought to be, I hope that that dude doesn't get any death threats tonight. Right. You know what I mean? Like at what kind of monster would care that? And I love sports. Our whole lives are covering sports. No one's more passionate about sports than the three of us right now talking. And it like genuinely bothers me and makes it hard to watch big events sometimes because I know either fans are being horrible at games or they're going to do it on social media or they're, just will never be satisfied about the officiating and it's just it's creating such a culture of negativity around watching sports and and it, and it really sucks i'm not i'm not a fan of it and i hope that everyone kind of collectively looks in the mirror and thinks about what they're actually doing and the way they're talking to another human being with eyes and a soul and feelings and everything else but we'll see well be the change you want to see in the world Next time you and talking to you listeners, next time you go to a sporting event, you know, do what you think is the appropriate thing to do and make sure everybody around you sees you doing that thing. Uh, we, we live by the example set for us. And uh, just like we, uh, we've written multiple columns about this, uh, and one of them was uh, about parents and a lot of the local coaches really, really enjoyed them. Uh, to the point where they put them on their websites. So you've, that had, you've parents, had that column from 2008 up on the Lakewood Volleyball website for 14 years now. <laughs> making sure everybody remembers why we're all out here. It's it's a uh, it's very important. So so yeah. So so lo love your neighbor. It, it's 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 important. Um, Dude, we, we be mentioned... nice. 
Dude, be nice. Exactly. Uh, we, we, we mentioned those spring sports earlier. Uh, the previews for those sports are available at the 562.org right now. The other ones coming right down the pipe as they get into their seasons. Do not forget about Long Beach State, though. They've got the dirt bags, winners of the last three, winners of six of the last seven. They're hot right now. The bags are hot, and they are starting their conference schedule this weekend. Hawaii coming to Bull Diamond at Blair Field for three very important games. It's all about that conference schedule when you're a mid-major. And obviously, men's volleyball, one of the top teams in the nation. So they are always exciting, and you've got to look out for that coverage at the website. You can also listen to our other podcast, The LB Fee Show where we talk to Long Beach State Athletics Director Andy Fee about everything going on at the beach. So thank you to, to The Post for obviously their partnership on this show and all the education coverage you can say there. Thank you to everybody at the562.org for making that website happen. And you, the subscribers, if you are not a subscriber, the562.org, please smash that subscribe button and make sure that Long Beach Sports gets the coverage it deserves. We'll see you guys in the stands very soon. Take care, everybody.